Sarah Marshall, founder of Marshall's Hot Sauce, loves spicy food as much as she loves showcasing the fresh seasonal ingredients from her friends and neighbors at the farmer's market. Her approach to sauce making is that of a true chef with a thoughtful approach to flavor and balance and the use and utilization of quality ingredients as much as it is about spice and heat. Today, her line of wildly popular hot sauces can be found in the pantries and refrigerators of top chefs and food lovers alike. Each bottle is still handmade, numbered and lovingly stamped by Sarah herself. Hey, Sarah, thanks so much for joining today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, you know, I think of you because I think of all the moms. It's back to school time. I know I'm scrambling. I'm getting ready. I hope you're making the most of these last few days we have of summer. We are for sure. We just went to the beach. It was so hot here in Portland. And so we just got out of town for a couple of days for a little overcast beach trip. And we're just trying to do as much as we can while we're not at markets to enjoy the summer. Right. And you've been you've had such a busy summer. I feel like you're always like shopping and schlepping. And <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm always packing stuff around wherever I go. Like it's not as easy as just um, showing up at something. I have to come with like tables and tents and boxes of sauce. I'm always hauling things all around. <laughs> I know. Well, you are, you know, you are a true entrepreneur. And that's one thing I really love about you because not only, you know, and you made your dream come true, you know, you started, you started your hot sauces in your home kitchen, you grew it, you grew this audience, you grew this, like, really, I would say this very passionate audience of people who love your products all over the country. But then I also see you giving back so much to the community by helping others when they have questions of how to start their business, especially like women who are starting their business and small, you know, that kind of thing. I, I always see you taking the time for that. And I, I think that's so great. Well, thank you uh, for noticing mm -hmm. <laughs> that, um, you know, before I started my sauce business, I um, did social work. I worked at a nonprofit here in Portland called Janice Youth Programs, and I worked there for a long time. I also worked at the Women's Resource Center at PSU. So, I mean, I really had this uh, social background. That was my job. I thought I would do it forever. But I don't, you know, in that field, you sort of Burnout is the term that everyone uses, but I think it's more than that. I think sometimes it's just overwhelming um, with, you know, all of these feelings. And I just needed to take a little break because I'd done it for so long. So I started the soft business just thinking that I would do it for a little while. And to be honest, I didn't really know food people. I didn't, that wasn't really where I was connected to the world, except for that I was connected to the farmers because I picked up produce uh, from the Oregon Food Bank and from mm -hmm. farmers, the farmer's market who were donating to the group homes that I worked at. And so that was really my first connection to kind of food in Portland and was meeting these farmers. And I really loved the farmer's market and I just wanted to be part of that world. So I created this business kind of to get into it and be connected to people in that way. Cause I loved feeding people and teaching people about preserving and canning. I started doing that when I was a social worker mm -hmm. and so it just was sort of my entryway into all of it. 
Well, it's turned out great. And it's, I think it's Portland would appreciate. And then I think, you know, nationally, everyone appreciates too, because, you know, when you think about hot sauces, you don't necessarily think of farm to table or fresh ingredients. You kind of just think of something that's been bottled and you have it in your, your camp cabin and it's been in there for like, I don't know, two decades. <laughs> and You put it out on, yeah. your, put it on your eggs. Whereas yeah. you, I think of your product as being like seasonal, um, limited edition featuring whatever's like the bounty at the moment. Yeah, that's really what I was going for. So I started the business 10 years ago, and I really wanted to tell this story of what was going on with the farmers and with Oregon agriculture in this time and place. So it wasn't like I would just make this one sauce that used this one pepper, and that's all that I would have. I really wanted to have things that were kind of fluid. And if there was something wonderful that a farmer was growing, I could make a sauce out of that and really have it based more on preserving. So preserving the produce that's around us, the things that people are growing. And so we have, um, you know, I developed all these really interesting flavors and things because I think that's the part um, that I, I wasn't really seeing at the time. It was like, you know, hot sauce was usually dried peppers, vinegar, something really spicy, maybe. Um, and, and like what you're saying, something that kind of sits around and is not that exciting. So I really wanted mm -hmm. to tell more of a story about Oregon. Right. I mean, I think yours is the only hot sauce, hot sauce I've ever seen with uh, carrots in it, for example. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there's, we do. So that's our habanero carrot curry. And, you know, we get our carrots from Marvin at Winter's Farm. And I think that's a really important piece because he's just right down the row from me at the farmer's market. And, um, but, but we go even further than that. So, you know, I have a hot sauce with seaweed that I get from a seaweed farmer, mm -hmm. um, charred chive dulse. So we're using garlic chives that we get locally. And then I dehydrate this seaweed that we get from Chuck, our seaweed farmer. And um, so it gives it this nice umami, but it's really more about collecting all of these ingredients from all over Oregon and then, you know, giving them back to the community. Right. Oh, I mean, it's and if you think about like building, you really have changed the way I think people think about hot, hot sauces, because, you know, I when I think of, we've, we've actually had this conversation before, like about you know, just the fact that you're a woman in this business and you people have this kind of stereotype, which, you know, stereotypes often are based on some sort of reality where it's like this business is like a bunch of a lot of guy, a lot of guys, you know, making hot sauce and and they're really going for heat. You know, yeah. they talk about where they are on the Scoville scale and that's kind of like bragging rights. How hot is their hot sauce and that, that kind of thing? Whereas you're really approaching it more like uh, I think more of a saucier perspective of really blending flavors and creating nuances and, you know, using it as a way to enhance food. Like how do you use these hot sauce to really enhance the food that you're eating and, and making? Yeah, the the hot sauce world for sure, I think is changing. But I think in the beginning, I didn't even really know what I was getting myself into. But once I started, I realized that it was, it was like a lot of men, a lot of men in flame shirts, a lot of times flame shirts, right? Like a wardrobe, yeah. like you're <laughs> nothing wrong for, with that. I think there's room for everybody, but I just didn't fit into it. So, um, you know, the first year I started, I won a, what's called a SCOBY award and um, I had never entered a contest before. I just kind of did it to get my name out. And then when I like actually gathered with that group of people, I was definitely 
the only woman there. And everyone <laughs> thought that my husband made the sauce because, oh. you know, because it's our brand is Marshall's Hot Sauce and our last uh-huh. name is Marshall. But people automatically assumed that Marshall is this man that makes this sauce. And so everyone that was just like, oh, yeah, giant men standing around me being like, where's your husband? And I'm like, no, it's me. I make it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. Shaking things up left and right. And I have and I, you know, I didn't exactly feel welcomed into that world at first. But I think it was just because people weren't used to it. They weren't used to somebody else being there, someone new. It was Mm -hmm. like going into a barbecue pit competition or something where I think that women kind of had to make their way into it. So now what I've done to make this environment more welcoming to people is that, you know, I started the Pacific Northwest Hot Sauce Makers Group we're not like super active on Instagram because we're more active behind the scenes where I just Mm -hmm. created this way for all of us to support each other because there are a lot of local hot sauce makers now that there weren't, you know, when Mm -hmm. I started. Um, But now there's maybe 30, 40 of us, especially since the pandemic, a lot of people have chosen that as a way to make some extra income. Mm -hmm. And I just collected everyone. I invited everyone over to my house and said, make something with someone else's sauce and we're going to come together and all get to know each other and, and be here to support each other. And I didn't know if it was going to work. <laughs> but... Well, this is what I love about you. Like you, you want, you want everyone to get along and you want people to support each other. And the fact that a hot sauce group exists that you <laughs> gathered and said, let's, let's lift each other up together, you know, during yeah, and people were so into it. And we really, I think, uh, you know, we'd started it a couple years before the pandemic and it was just a way to like all know each other, all support each other. But then if anyone had any questions or ran out of supplies or things like that, or wanted to know about an event or just anything came up, we just have this, you know, chat room that we can all chat with each other to see what's going on. Or if, or if something seems weird about being contacted about selling sauce to someone, we're just there to like talk it out because a lot of times as, as a business owner, especially if you have a small business, most of the time you're just, working on your own. You know, you're by yourself. You don't have people Mm -hmm. to talk to. You just don't really have resources. So it sort of became this resource network for just sauce makers here in Portland. And and we I didn't really like close it off to, you know, there's some people in Washington and Seattle and you know it's very Mm -hmm. whoever wants to be part of it. But, But it but especially during the pandemic, it's been really helpful because we are all having these supply chain issues. So if someone runs out of lids, we can be like, oh yeah, no, I, I, you know, bought a pallet of the lids. I can give you some until yours come because you have this order due. And so it's really been a great way for us to be able to support each other. Oh, I love that. You know, and so and I think that probably does come from your, your work of um, social work and just trying to get people to help each other and see the value of a group as opposed to trying to make just on your own. You know, we are a community. We only survive and thrive if we all succeed. Yeah, I think 100%. That's where it comes from. And you just get used to that, I think. And then mm-hmm. enter new, new realms and new groups. Um, you know, if I feel like something's kind of missing, like I just want to find a way to bring people together because I think it's really important for our community. Mm-hmm. 
And I know you really like to cook too, because you're not just like making sauces just for sauces. You're making sauces because you love to cook and you love um, feeding people and sharing flavors. And so I noticed that you always like to share recipes, which I sincerely appreciate. I think you were saying that you share these recipes so that people kind of know what to do with them instead of just like, you know, you don't have to just put it on something. You could use it as an ingredient to really flavor something. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. So, you know, the first year I started, the, the very first thing people People ask you is what do I do with this and you know you can make it really simple and be like oh you know put it on pizza or whatever which I think that um, people do that a lot but I really wanted people to take the things that I made and be able to make these delicious super easy meals where mm-hmm. they, they're using ingredients from the farmer's market but they're not having to prep them so um, you know if they're using like our red chili lime sauce we're using uh onions from Groundwork Organic Farms. We're using um, red jalapenos from Spring Hill. Like we're combining all of these things that they don't have to go and buy at the market. I Mm -hmm. want them to go buy things at the market, but this just makes it easy as far as prep time to make like quick, easy meals. So in the beginning, I've always posted recipes and written recipes. And I, and that's like what I love to do is write these, you know, recipes for people to do. But now I've been um, getting into doing videos too, just to show people because uh, I, I realize there's all kinds of learners and some people need mm-hmm. visual and some people need written. So I'm just doing both so that no matter what, you can end up with something great to eat. <laughs> right. And the, I, I tell people that the hot sauces are, you think they're like, there are sauces that basically enhance food. So if you were making like a soup or you're making, you know, a, a braise or something like it's, it's a nice way to add a multi-layered flavor dimension where you didn't have to like combine all those individual little ingredients. Like here's, you add a couple tablespoons of that and suddenly like the dish comes alive, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's what I want. I want it to be really simple for people. You know, I have to be able to provide the benefit of doing the work for them. Otherwise it is just something that you can pull off a shelf. So I have to make things really unique and then I have to make it useful. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what where, where, what was the last thing that you cooked just at home? <laughs> just say, well, I can tell you was, mine was very boring. <laughs> just made, I just made well, spaghetti for my kids last night. That was not very exciting, but it was what they wanted to eat. Um, but what, what did you make last? So we were at the beach yesterday. So I made, um, well, I'm recipe testing some salmon recipes. So I smoked salmon in an oven without a smoker because I'm writing a recipe to do that for a specific company. Okay. <laughs> so I was testing that out, but with our smoked habanero barbecue sauce. So the idea is that instead of needing to have a smoker and needing to have, um, you know, all this time, you can just do it in the oven. So I was, I was customizing a technique that, you know, sometimes chefs will use in a, in a kitchen, um, but Mm -hmm. they'll use um, just pans to do it. So that's what I did. That's what I made. And then I turned that smoked salmon that people make into other recipes. So I did um, smoked salmon cakes, kind of like a crab cake and then Mm -hmm. salmon spread that people would use because it's going to become like brunch items. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, because you're able to get that smoky flavor in with the sauce as opposed to like having to add wood chips or necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just makes it really easy for people to create something that maybe they wouldn't do before. But it's a really simple technique that anyone can do. I try to write things so that people don't need a bunch of 
stuff or equipment or, um, you know, skills, you can just, you know, follow the instructions and do something really cool. I appreciate recipes like that because there's a lot of recipes that are, you know, like 12 step two day recipes. And if you follow all the steps and you go through all the procedures, you're going to get a good result, but it's so much work. Like I am, I am almost most impressed. Well, I am most impressed by, I I call them genius recipes where they're so simple that on paper you see like they, they seem like very simple recipes, but the result is the expectation of what you're like, it far exceeds your expectations based on how simple the recipe is. Those are the recipes that I love the most where it's so simple, maybe very few ingredients, just maybe like a twist in the technique, but the result is just amazing. Like those are the recipes that I love. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think I kind of changed how I wrote things over time because I think at first I was like, I'm going to teach people how to do things they've never done before. And so Mm -hmm. I would do these more complicated recipes. But what I realized is that that's intimidating to people and they aren't really going to do it or they're going to do it one time for something special. And, um, you know, what people really want to do is make something super easy, have it be delicious, impress their family or just for themselves, you know, it, and Mm -hmm. so I really kind of changed that. So I want to make it so that people don't even have to cut up an onion. You know, I want to make it really easy for them. So we started, we started doing these, um, during the pandemic, um, we started doing these packets uh, that were seasoning packets so that people could just open them up and make whatever it is that they're going to make. So we have one to make tacos. And I got, mm-hmm. I love um, toys, but like I want to get the kitchen toys so that you don't have to. So I got a freeze dryer, which uh-huh. weren't really available com- like for other than like a commercial establishment. So they were these huge, you know, free pairs. and they started making them a couple years ago so that they're smaller version. So I got one of those and I love freeze dried shallots. I think shallots are kind of underused in, in most kitchens, but they're really the thing that makes food and dishes really delicious. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So every, every, so look at every French recipe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and people just don't use them or, you know, because they're smaller, they're a little more work. You have to do more to peel them. So it's just not something that's like an everyday item. So I decided to freeze dry these and put them into the different packets that I do. So I do a taco seasoning. I do a chili seasoning. And then the idea is that it's just so easy for you to open up these things and make them and and there are some products like that in grocery stores and such, but, uh, you know, they have a lot of preservatives and, and the ingredients aren't coming locally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my shallots are coming from the farmers. And then the other things that I do is um, dehydrate hot sauce because I have this wonderful dehydrator. And, mm-hmm. um, and so it makes things extra spicy if you want. So I have a really hot taco seasoning, which I couldn't really find in the marketplace. And so I just want to create things that people enjoy and don't have, you know, uh, have to do a lot of work to have them be wonderful. <laughs> Hallelujah. I am all for that. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, and I, the thing is I like to cook and stuff like that, but I really just want the results. You know, it's, there's a certain amount of joy in the process, right? But there's also, I just want to have a, a nice result and I don't, and it's okay to have these, if someone else wants to freeze dry something for me, Um, if someone wants to dehydrate something for me and then I can just add it, I think that's great because it makes more sense because what am I going to do with like 
because if you're going to go through the process, you have to do it's you want to create a certain amount of freeze dried something to make it worth your while. But right. as an average person, like with a small family or something like that, what are you going to do with all that freeze dried tomato or whatever, you know? Yeah, well, I think it makes total sense. You can put this in these wonderful packets for people that they can just uh, use when they need it. Yeah, well, and that's how I want it to be. I want it to be that I'm freeze drying this for you so that you don't have to. Because I think what happens is, you know, when we think of things being easy or quick, sort of the quality of our food goes Mm -hmm. down. Like you're not going to find anybody else that wants to cut up (laughs) shallots and freeze dry them because it takes you know, over 24 hours to do that process. But they also have this really unique situation, which is that, you know, we have a commercial kitchen that's in the bottom floor of our home. Mm -hmm. And so I can chop up those shallots that I get at the market after I finish the farmer's market on Saturdays, I can throw them in the freeze dryer and then they're ready for me to put into the packets and create these seasonings on Monday. So normal people would have to pay for that time in the kitchen because they're renting that kitchen. And so it's Mm -hmm. not always cost effective, but I sort of have the luxury of it being, um, you know, having this commercial kitchen within my home. And so I can do that. And, um, and then you get the benefit of it. <laughs> I have been in that kitchen of yours and it's great. We, you, you did, you hosted a little pickling class and we, I made some quick cucumber pickles with you. Yeah. And I, you know, people who know me know that I don't, I actually don't pickle preserve jam. I don't do any of that stuff, (laughs) but I love it. And I say, you know what? There are so many people doing it so well that I'm happy to buy their product, you know, but it's always nice to know how to do it. I was like, I always appreciate it. I always want to know how, but I don't necessarily want to do it. I'd rather just buy the finished product, but you made it so, um, so simple and, and your book, I mean, your book is, um, talk about your book and how you came about, um, selecting recipes because I think that that is such a great starter book because it's written in such a way that it's so unintimidating. Yeah. So, uh, so the, it's kind of funny that people think that I had, you know, the business and then the book came and that's true, but I had been teaching canning and preserving before I had the business. So because I, you know, was doing all of these family interaction classes and we would do these parent education groups. And part of my job was to teach families how to do something together that would bring them together, that would help them bond. So, you know, cooking and canning became a big part of my parent education groups because it was something that they were going to end up doing at home together. And so I taught people how to take food that they got from the food bank and be able to can it and be mindful of waste. So I was doing that before I even had the business. But then Mm -hmm. once I had the business, it was a little bit easy. I kind of stopped teaching those classes because I was doing so much production and things like that. So then I um, moved back into the world of teaching people how to preserve um, through classes that I would host through Airbnb experience. I'm not doing those currently just because of, you know, you know, I COVID. Yeah, COVID <laughs> ruined my teaching. <laughs> but I'll bring it back someday because I right. have people come into my home and into my kitchen. And, and as you know, during this time, it, it's just us producing things. We're not having people come in and out just to be the safest that we can be. But I'll bring the classes back sometime. But that, you know, that's really where they started. So I, my classes are approachable to people because I used to teach children how to do it, you know, so it becomes... A little That's why bit. I like it so much. It was just yeah. so yeah. It's simple. It's easy. It's approachable. I know what recipes to write that people are gonna, 
be able to do and understand and it's not going to be overwhelming. Um, so yeah, so the things, the recipes in the book, um, you know, I had been canning all kinds of things while I'd had the business and farmers would give me stuff and I'd experiment with different things. And, you know, of course, food safety is a number one priority. So when I talk about doing these experiments, you don't really want to do them at home. You always want to get your recipes tested if you're going to go off book, I always call it. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's what I did because I also had access to the Food Innovation Center. So um, you've had Sarah Massoni on as a guest and she has been one of the most influential women in my life. I met her as I was starting the business, just by chance. I had heard about the Food Innovation Center as I was taking some business classes at um, Mercy Corps Northwest, because they're right down the street from each other. And so I met her and, you know, over time she tested all these different projects I was working on and things. And I'd be like, I don't know if I want to bring this to market, but let's see if it's, you know, safe to do. And so then what happened is I built up all of these recipes and then that's what became the cookbook. Mm -hmm. Well, it, look for the book. It's called The Preservation Pantry. I highly recommend it. Um, it's one of the I've picked I've picked up lots of, you know, canning preserving books. And sometimes they just get way too te- technical and kind of intimidating because you when you read them, you're almost afraid you're going to like, you know, poison your family by <laughs> doing these like experiments. Whereas yours is very like straightforward. Follow these recipes. No crazy techniques. It's just all about like cleanliness and step by step. Yeah, anyway. well, I, you know, anytime I teach a class, I start out by saying, I want you to be able to go home and feel confident in the food that you're making. I want you to be able to gift it to your friends and family without worrying about hurting them. Because I think that's the biggest part of canning is that it is intimidating and you do have to be mindful of what you're doing and you have to follow guidelines. So I always say to think of it as baking, you know, you don't want to just change things up because you're going to change up the safety of it. So, um, you know, but I want people to feel confident in that. So that's how I run the classes. It's how I wrote the book. And, um, you know, I, I want people to can and preserve, and I want to teach them how to do that. So did you grow up in a household where you learned that? How did you learn? Um, you know, because oftentimes people always learn from their mothers or grandmothers. I mean, were you in a household where, where people were preserving and teaching you these things? Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, my parents were kind of hippies. My grandmother <laughs> was part of the co-op movement in the 60s in South San Francisco. And so, um, you know, my family's always been into local food, into growing your own food, but not farmers ever. You know, we didn't have any kind of farmland like that, which is how a lot of people learn canning is usually mm-hmm. from a farm environment. But this was more from just like canning what you grow, uh, you know, canning local things. So there's a picture in my cookbook that's me at probably three or four years old with just like, you know, shelves lined with canned goods that my mom had made. So my mom was very into it. Um, She had a shop called Joy of Creation and it was, she was just into, you know, sewing my baby clothes and making my food and all of that kind of. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And I just think that like that it's a, you know, it's good memories. It's good focus. My mom also started a community garden in Milwaukee. That's where she lives, which is just, you know, a suburb of Portland. Um, Mm -hmm. They had an empty lot outside of the hospital that she worked at. She was a nurse for maybe 
40 years or something. And um, she turned the lot into a community garden and gave food back to the community. So it's just kind of been something that's always been part of my family values. And I really wanted to pass that on to my daughter as well. So um, it's just in my blood. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you're starting to paint the picture of how you came about. Like I I see a whole new Sarah Marshall. (laughs) I understand. (laughs) And that's great. That's when you get the whole story. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's just a life. Well, I know that you cook with your daughter and you, um, you know, encourage people to cook with their families and do, do some family time in the kitchen. So what are you making with your um, daughter at, in the kitchen or what are you teaching her? Well, it's funny because she, she started her own business during the pandemic. So Adeline is seven. She started her own business. See, she's taken after the entrepreneur in you too. Well, so I was just in a place where I was really stuck because, you know, we're doing at home learning because they the kids weren't in school. She mm-hmm. Adeline is very wonderful. She's strong-willed. She is super smart. She did not want me to teach her. She did not want me to be her teacher at all. Like very <laughs> headstrong about it. Um and you know, so I did what I could do in that regard, but I had to come up with something. So what I, what she would let me do is that, you know, I decided if I can't teach her these things, like, you know, these science projects and stuff that the school is doing, I can at least give her some life skills because I don't know what else to do, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, she has to be here with me all the time. She has to come to these markets with me because I don't have any childcare. So she, you know, we had the freeze dryer. I have to um, freeze dry the food under the license. She can't actually handle the food. She's too young for a food handler's permit. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? (laughs) She loves freeze dried fruit and she also loves candy. So we Mm -hmm. um, experimented with all the different things that you could freeze dry, which gave us a project. You know, we would pick out all the different fruits at the market. We would bring them home. We would try them. We found all the different candies you could do. We would put them in the freeze dryer. And so that became our science experiments, you know? Mm -hmm. excuse me, I'm talking so much, I'm losing my voice. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we would do that. And then, um, you know, we talked about what it means to have a business and a logo and and that it has to represent you, you know, so we just turned it into this kind of project. So she came up with her own logo, her own name for it. um, And then we take, the, so she's doing, it's called Adeline's Bunny Puffs, and they are um, freeze-dried raspberries and then freeze-dried Skittles. Those are the things that turned out the best in the freeze-dryer. And so then she puts all the stickers on the bags. She seals them. She makes a little sign, you know, made her sign, made her booth that she said needed a lot of pizzazz. So she, <laughs> she's really like gained all these skills. And then we bring her to one market a month um, to sell these things. And, um, she donates a dollar from every bag to the humane society or other groups. If we're doing a farmer's market, that's benefiting like equitable giving circle, she'll donate to them. Um, so she's like creating this stuff just like I am and she's giving back and she's really gotten the social aspect that she needed, that she was missing during the pandemic because she's talking and interacting to a lot of kids. Cause a lot of kids come to the market and mm-hmm she's telling them about what she's doing and it just became a, you know, our kind of project became her business. (laughs) I absolutely love that. That is just so great. And I'm sure it's delicious. So what happens to, I can imagine what happens to the raspberries, but what happens to the Skittles when you 
when you yeah. do that. It's very interesting. So if um, people haven't had freeze-dried food, it's much different than a dehydrator. So mm-hmm. it actually, you know, a lot of times people think it's, um, you know, you're adding something to it, but all you're really doing is freezing things down below zero. You know, the, the freeze dryer is actually going down to like negative 20 mm-hmm. and then it slowly lets air in. And so it pulls all the moisture out of whatever you're putting in there. And then as you're slowly letting heat back into it, it puffs up. Um, so like the raspberries are really crunchy, but then mm-hmm. the thing that's different is that then when you add it to something liquidy, like, um, you know, if you stirred those raspberries into oatmeal, then they really seem like fresh raspberries again, which is the cool part. Mm. So candy, um, if anybody's ever had sea foam, it's kind of oh, yeah. uh-huh. at the beach, it's like um, kind of aerated sugar. Mm-hmm. So that's what happens to those Skittles is that when you freeze them and then it lets, it pulls all the liquid out and then they puff up. And so they're crunchy and kind of, you know, feel like that sea foam. Oh, fun. (laughs) So it is really My kids would really like that. They they are candy connoisseurs, Mm -hmm. especially my daughter. She always wants to try new candies and uh, she loves like gourmet, fancy candy. Something interesting for both parties, because I also realize, like, you know, at the farmer's market, we only sell the berries because there's rules about that kind of thing. You can't sell mm-hmm. them. Call fair food. So I can't. So we sell <laughs> the Skittles. But those are really interesting to a lot of kids and people. So she takes those to the Portland night market when we do that. And oh, so yeah, it's nice to have. I always think it's good to have a balance of all the things. And so I think it's good to have those fun treats and i think it's great to have you know the organic berries so we have something for whatever kind of family you are <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think that life is that way too there should be no hard and fast rules about what you can and can't enjoy and and if we took away all the sugar and fun and salt and fat it's like what would we be left with anyway you know well so i always tell a story about how i grew up because my parents were very much part of that hippie world. So it was like, everything had to be natural and whole and full grains and no sugar. And, you know, my parents potty trained me with raisins instead of candy, (laughs) but but that kind of thing makes you a little bit weird. So I I wanted sugar so bad. I grew up in a time of like Twinkies and Kool-Aid, you know, and that's all I wanted. And I, um, one time went to the store and bought a Jolly Rancher, you know, for three pennies or whatever when back when you could do that at the store. Mm -hmm. And I put it in a cup of water in my closet overnight Uh because I was trying to make my own Kool-Aid. And then I sat in the closet and drank it secretly. And (laughs) I don't think that... That's not how I want, you know, my me. I want her to like talk to me about these things, but it was like sugar was such this like evil force, you know, that I wasn't allowed. So I just I try to um, make it less intense like that. Well, warning to parents out there, you know, and I think I think people have lessened up on this, but you know, same thing. I've told the story before, but Gregor grew up in a house like that where it was no sugar, very you know, crunchy granola, everything healthy, and he would secretly like hide sugar or then go over to his friend's house and like binge eat all the sugar cereal and stuff like that. Exactly. I mean, it just makes you do strange things that I don't think that are. I don't think. You're trying to create this health conscious child, but really I think what you're doing is the opposite because whenever you ban things, you know, it's like it makes them want want it more. And so I just think it's good to like have good 
dialogue about it and talk about all the things and let, you know, people experience the all parts of the world. <laughs> agree, agree 100%. I was the same way. I loved I love candy and I love sugar and I, you know, I didn't eat a ton of it, but I as a kid like it's it was a joy and I took it upon myself to like try new candies and just, you know, but it, since it wasn't a bad thing, I didn't like I would savor it. You know, like I would buy something and really savor it and try to make it last, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I was just talking about this with my friend the other day because we were, you know, I went out with uh, my girlfriend. So I've been friends with her since third grade. And we used to we used to live kind of not that far apart, but it's a big deal. Like now I don't let my kids walk anywhere outside by themselves. It seems like it's different, different time and place. But we would be we'd set a plan. We'd be like, it's a Saturday. I'm going to leave my house at like 10 o'clock. You leave your house at 10 o'clock and we'll meet halfway. And we would meet at the local Fred Meyer or whatever. And then we take our, you know, allowance or whatever. We'd buy like candy and a magazine or whatever, buy ice cream. This is back when they had like Eve's. Do you remember Eve's? at the Fred Meyer. It's like a little restaurant. <laughs> it's about ice cream. I, I mean, I grew up in, you know, with Fred Meyer, but I don't remember Eve's. There was like a little restaurant inside the Fred Meyer, but we used to get, they had ice cream there. You could get ice cream. But I remember um, always really perusing the candy section. And I remember when blueberry bubble gum came out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody remember that? It was blueberry. And I was like, blueberry i've never had blueberry there was strawberry there was raspberry there was traditional there was even grape there was even chocolate at one point but i remember mm. blueberry was like a really fun flavor and i remember like there was like i don't know like six in a pack and each time i enjoyed it like i remember thinking oh i got three more to go you know <laughs> two more to go <laughs> like just savoring these last savoring it. you want it to last forever yeah you know so yeah i think it's good that people allow their kids to have a little sugar don't demystify it you know same thing i i don't know we i was we go to a restaurant and like um not since she was a little kid, always wanted to try whatever um, drink her dad was having, yeah. <laughs> like beer and wine. We're like, just let her taste it, you know, let her taste it, get the curiosity out. So she's been tasting everything that he's been drinking since she was like very little, like nothing more than a sip. But um, but she's very funny. I'm like, we'll go to a restaurant. People will look because you see this like little girl like taking a taste of wine. <laughs> she's just a taste, she's just a taste. But she's very good. Like she'll be like, I taste a little bit of a, uh, you know, and she. She's, she's learned the vocabulary now. So she's like, it's a little oaky. Oh. <laughs> it's a little, you know, forward in the oak, you know. But, yeah, you're breeding a new food critic, probably. Right. <laughs> but, you, know, you kind of, you know, it's, I think it's healthy to um, let people taste and not make it such a bad thing. Any foods. There are no yeah. bad foods, really. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, I asked this question to Mike Thielen and I just, I was thinking about you and I was like, what would Sarah eat? If like her perfect meal, like what would be your perfect meal? Not your death row meal, because I hate saying that, but like it's <laughs> awful. Your perfect I meal. I like, never have a death row meal. <laughs> um, you know, I like things really simple. You know, I love like bone broth. That's one of my favorite things. I think it's really like mm. comforting when I drink it, when I'm feeling like I want to think about stuff or I'm feeling like overwhelmed. I like to have like the ritual of like slowing things down, um, you know, just sipping and taking things slow because I tend to be t doing so many things to the point almost of mania where I'm mm -hmm. just like really manic. So I think, um, you know, my perfect meal would be starting with 
and it could be more than bone broth. It could be like a miso soup or something like that, but just anything that I can like slow down, sip, enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I love, you know, anything spicy. So if I can have like a curry or stir fried veggies with like super spicy sauce, I love to eat things and be sweating. If you really liked, if you, you know, cause you know, hot sauce is hot, but you know, people, people eat it for different reasons. Some people really just go for the heat mm-hmm. and other people, you know, use it as like a, a flavor, like a pop of flavor. So. Sure. I mean, I love things to be spicy, but that I liked. So after, while I was pregnant, I really wanted really spicy food. And so the thing with spicy food is the more that you eat of it, the spicier you crave and you need it to be spicier and spicier. So I, I now just love to put chilies on every thing. Um, I, you know, I don't make our sauces that we sell too incredibly spicy. We focus more on flavor so that, you know, because we do want to focus on all these vegetables, I want people to be able to taste them. Mm-hmm. But in my personal life, I want them to be <laughs> extra spicy. It's okay. You can say it. <laughs> you like that spicy. No, I mean, but that's like, uh, like I remember in the summertime, um, growing up, um, we would eat really spicy food, like mm-hmm. Korean food. And I'd be like, why are we eating such spicy food? It's like so hot outside. And it was like, you eat the spicy food because you start sweating and it cools you down. Yeah. And it made no sense to me at that time. But I guess it's kind of traditional in different cultures too. Yeah. And I just love um, experiencing that feeling. And I think that chili sometimes offer this like euphoria that, um, that you can only get from eating spicy food. And so I'm, I'm into that for sure. Yeah. How, how well do you think you would do on that, that show, the, the hot ones? Have you seen that where they eat the, the spicy wings and they do the interview? (laughs) I mean, I think I could do it for sure. I, um, you know, I haven't ever had anything where I'm like, I can't eat this. I mean, unless I don't like the flavor, then I'm like, I'm just not going to eat this because I don't, I'm not into how it tastes, you know, but If, you know, if I go to any restaurant, no matter what it is, if they have like a heat level that you can choose, I always pick the spiciest. I'm always able to eat it and enjoy it if it tastes good. <laughs> um, I do like spicy food and I live in a house where my partner likes really spicy. Like him, not so spicy. He, he's like, he loves that feeling and a tingly head that you get when spicy. But I'm like, I can't when it gets to that point because I haven't um, built up that tolerance. But I feel like if I was on that show, you know I'm going to the end. I, in mind, I don't know if this is actually true. In my mind, I like to think incredible pain threshold. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm in, in a determination and will. So I am going to go all the way, even if it like, even if, if I like uh, pad afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's fun. And you know, that show has really created... Um, a new generation of hot sauce, you know, consumer. So people, because they see it on YouTube and they want to experience it with their friends, they're really seeking sauces that are hotter. So I've started making hotter hotter sauces over the years. Mm -hmm. One, because I really, I enjoy them. And I'm glad that people are into that now, because I think that before um, people didn't want things quite so spicy. So even being in the marketplace or the farmer's market, but once my customers started eating my sauces and they were spicy, they wanted things to be spicier. And so I keep yeah. making a spicier one every year. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I think it's it's good because people do need a little a lot. A lot of the population does need a little bit more spice in their life because I say that, you know, I don't like super spicy food, but this is like compared to people who are already eating spicy foods. Right. So yeah. compared to like the average person and they go, oh, it's so spicy. And I'm tasting it going what are you talking about? That's like black pepper. Like, there's nothing, there is nothing spicy about this. But then I have to remember like the average population or just a lot of people, I should say, because I think we're, we're amongst maybe food people who are eating like different um, ethnic foods or different spice levels and are exposed to that. So mm -hmm. that's for sure. We, everyone could use a little bit of kick in their life for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's like, um, you know, to me, it makes me feel alive and like connected to my body. And I think that sometimes, um, you know, people, you have to continue that journey when you start it. But I think sometimes people taste things and they're like, oh, they don't like that experience. They don't like knowing mm -hmm. that they're feeling something through their whole being. And I, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever see that, um, that documentary? It's a series on Netflix called We Are the Champions. And no. they, they, oh, I look it up because it is so fun. <laughs> it's called We're the Champions. It's on Netflix. And they each, each show, it's like episodes. Each episode is a different contest of some sort. So there's like cheese rolling, um, uh, what is it? Uh, hairstyling, yo yo's. <laughs> but one oh, of them is hot, hot. It sounds fun. <laughs> one of them is like uh, the world's hottest chili eating contest. Mm -hmm. And they follow these people. And it's it's just really fun because, you know, it's, it's a documentary. So but it's entertaining and it's narrated. Um, but the world's hottest chili eating contest uh, episode, I think you would do well on that. <laughs> yeah, I might. I'm, this is the thing about me, though, is that I'm such not a competitive person. Like, oh, yeah. I, you know, want other people to win so much that I like I don't. I don't think a contest route is the way for me, even when I was talking about um, entering that one contest. So I did one contest one time 10 years ago, and I never did another one because I didn't like that other people didn't win. And so oh. it's, for me. it's not my thing. I'm not like a sports person. I don't yeah. if playing a board game. I always let my kid win. Like, it's just not, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You know, it's, um, I know. Cause in that, and when you watch that documentary, you see, people wanting to win so bad like they are they're like crying and their their whole family is like rooting for them like you would look over and be like okay that person really needs to win <laughs> i would probably cry if they didn't win i mean that's the thing like anytime you see someone like getting an award or like right. at the end of a play when people stand up and they're getting a you know oh. applause, i always cry i don't even know the people and right. I, like feel so excited for them and everyone that's proud out of them i get super emotional <laughs> well well that is a good quality don't ever change sarah don't ever change I, I, this is who i am yeah. <laughs> no, no way to change it right well um, i was gonna ask you what do you what do people put or what do you put in what do you how do you use hot sauce that you think is kind of maybe unconventional or like some tips for you know because people have all the standard ways that they're using it but um you know i know that people are putting hot sauce in things that are not what you think of and yeah. it's really adding flavor. Do you have any tips or suggestions? 
Well, I always try to come up with things that are kind of fun and, and that I don't see out there. So I do have, a, I have a recipe on our website too. Um, we have a sauce called bird's eye basil. And so, um, you know, that sauce doesn't have onions or garlic. So I like to use it in kind of a sweet or sweet savory aspect. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it, so that one I infuse white balsamic vinegar with basil that I grow and then I use leeks as a base and then it has Thai chilies and jalapenos. And so it's this really floral, spicy, wonderful sauce. And so I have a recipe on our website where you use it for a cake, a blueberry cake. So, oh, wow. so you make this delicious, you know, kind of breakfast cake, and then you put some of the sauce in a blueberry sauce that you make with powdered sugar and drizzle it over the top. So I would say that's not a way that people would use hot sauce. I don't think. <laughs> right. Glaze, but it turns out really good and it's really fun. So that's, yeah. that's a fun recipe that I have up there. Yeah, I mean, I think um, if it's not like, you know, a savory, like I've I've put in a little bit of spice and things like a smoothie, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just because it's like over, it's sweet. And just like you would put salt in something to give it a pop of flavor, to add a bit of uh, heat can sometimes bring out the flavors as well. So yeah, and I think it's that thing of it makes it fun. It makes it new and exciting. And it also tastes delicious. I mean, blueberries and basil go together well. And so this just adds a little bit of heat to it. And then, you know, people have been putting vinegar in cakes. That's how you make, you know, red velvet cake. So it's all things that go together. But when sometimes when people see it, they're like, what? You want me to put hot sauce in cake? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's delicious. I'm sure it's delicious. Yeah. Going back to your childhood, um, do you remember like the first thing that you really were proud of making that you were you made and that you shared with somebody? Because I do think that, you know, cooking is so much like when you make something like my, my kids are make something, they're so proud of it. And they want to, sh- they, they were like, take a picture, put it on Instagram, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, like, do you remember making something as a kid and being especially proud of it. Yeah. But, so my mom, um, we had this book and I can't remember if it was maybe put out by sunset magazine or something like that, that was around at the time. And it was like how to make your own Christmas gifts. And mm-hmm. so, um, my mom and I tried to make a bunch of the things in there. We made aprons, things like that. But the first food gift that we made together was like these truffles, like chocolate truffles. And and so you made them by, you know, melting the chocolate and putting these different things in them. We used like, I remember one being, um, like almond syrup and then you rolled them by hand. So it was like my mom and I just like getting messy, super (laughs) hand rolling these truffles. And then, you know, we had these little tiny boxes. I think each person in our family got like one truffle because it was a lot harder than what Yeah, (laughs) you better savor your one truffle. Merry Christmas. That's That's all you get. But um, I remember that being the first like food gift that we gave as a family to people. And I remember just being so excited for people to have it and try it. And I think that's, you know, why it made so much sense for me to have this business. I feel like whenever somebody buys something from me or I'm making, you know, these sauces, I'm like thinking about how it's going to be received. And I hope that it brings people this joy, just like this, you know, truffle Christmas gift did, you know, and it's in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that was kind of a, a that's a big project. <laughs> I was thinking like, you know, pancakes, something simple. <laughs> Chocolate yeah, no, that's like for sure the first thing that I remember making and gifting to someone. 
Oh, that's great. Well, you know, I know, I know your um, hot sauces make such great gifts. Um, <laughs> they always end up, I always see, it makes me so proud when I see it on a gift guide, like a national gift guide. Yeah. It's made here in Portland, right? <laughs> I know. Thank you. Whoever has written about us as a gift guide item, please continue to do that. And thank you because it really does make a difference for us, you know, as a small business, because that is what I want them to be. I want them to be gifts that you give to people that you love. And, um, you know, so anytime anybody writes us up, I'm just so thankful. <laughs> Thank oh, you. I know. It's a lot of your your hot sauces are very um, well received by chefs and celebrities. I see them talk about it. And well, I, do, I mean, I think it really just goes back to that we are. You know, I've always tried to do something that's unique and based on preserving, and I think that's really the thing that's always made us different. And I think people, especially chefs, see that right away. Um, you know, and we've been lucky enough to have wonderful, great chefs as our friends and family here. And so, um, you know, I think we became friends because they just recognized what I was doing and they were like, Oh, that's cool. We don't really see that outside of what we're doing, you know, and, and it's really been a wonderful community to join. Right. Well, I want you to leave us all with a tip, some sort of preserving, preservation, pickling, saucing, some sort of tip that you, because <laughs> you're always so full of good ideas. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think so, you know, the thing about my book is, is to think about what you're buying at the market and knowing that what I wanted people to get out of it is that if you're going to spend extra money on really good organic local produce, which I think you should do you uh, can always do something with it that you don't think of. So in the parts that you would normally compost, there is something fun and creative that you can do. So right now we're in stone fruit season. So if you're going to get, let's say, peaches at the farmer's market, you can make your peach jam, you can eat your peaches, you can put them in a salad, you can do whatever you're going to do with the peaches. But with the stone inside the peaches, you can make um, a tonic, like think of gin and tonic, mm -hmm. uh, but you, you can use the skins and the stone and it's going to make this beautiful, bright, glowing orange tonic for your cocktails. And so you're really getting more out of that more expensive produce than you think. Is there a recipe someplace? <laughs> well, in my cookbook, yeah, there's one. Um, I'm sure there's things online you can find, but but you can think about that with everything, you know. So if you're growing zucchini in the garden, there's ways to preserve squash blossoms that can last mm -hmm. than just eating them. Um, you can use every part of everything if you're going to eat strawberries you can take the strawberry tops and turn them into salad dressing the key piece there is that you have to buy good organic produce yeah well that's great i mean <laughs> i'm gonna start eating my strawberry tops because i feel like i've been chucking too many of them now <laughs> yeah sure everyone does <laughs> you can use them <laughs> thank you sarah for joining this is episode 17 of food people are the best people with sarah marshall of marshall's hot sauces please look for her sauces everywhere you find specialty foods and online thank you so much sarah for joining you're always so full of great tips and information it was great to chat with you today. Thanks for joining.